0: Hey everyone, Dave Hagen here. Today I want to talk about add on fees. That's today on the Financial Wellness Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. Here is your host, financial problem solver and talk show host, Dave Hagen.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, the TFWP as we like to call it. We're coming to you from beautiful downtown Van Nuys. You know, Brian's not here today, and it's a good thing. And the reason is I got a little bit of a rant. I got a little bit of a thing going on, and I want to talk to you about it. I don't want Brian to get in the way and make all these comments. I want to do my rant. I want to get through my rant. I want to lay it out. I want to make my points And then uh, see how that sits with y'all. So Brian's not here today. So today I want to rant about add-on fees. Add-on fees really make me upset. In fact, they kind of tick me off. Let me give you some examples. Cable TV. Now, this has been a long time rant of mine. This whole concept of cable TV. But the thing that really ticks me off mostly about it is a regular fee of like an advertised fee of like $29 becomes $60 after you put in a box rental, a remote rental, taxes, city fees. It's just not truthful. You're almost doubling the amount that you're going to have to pay on a monthly basis by the time they put in all their add on fees. Why not just tell us what it's going to be? And I got to tell you, when I switched over from one cable company to another, I'd ask them, well, what's it going to be when we're all done? What's it going to be when it's all said and done? And they go, well, we really don't know. We can't say because it varies from area to area. And of course, you always go, all right, all right, just sign me up. And when you get that first bill, it's almost twice as much as what you thought it was going to be because of these these add on fees. I'll give you another example. I went to a, a, a restaurant uh, recently, and I, I, hung on to the, I hung on to the receipt, you know, the credit card receipt, because it, it made me so dang mad. And I'm looking at the receipt when I'm getting ready to, you know, sign for the credit card, and I see something called L.A. ordinance fee, and it's been added to the bill. Now, to my knowledge, there's no L.A. ordinance On this issue, I don't know why LA is getting anything more or should get anything more. Frankly, uh, other than the six or seven or eight percent, you know, county tax or whatever that they're they're already getting. In fact, I think it's almost ten percent in um, in Los Angeles. Uh, And it's a in this bill, it it was like a dollar fifty-four. So it's not the issue of the money. It was a buck fifty-four on a bill of 70 bucks. that's a breakfast bill. So this was this was good eats. But my point is it's just not truthful. It's just not truthful to add it onto the bill and for you to be expected just to like suck it up and and pay it. So I'm looking at the small print at the bottom of the charge slip and it says a 2% charge has been added to help balance the recent and continuing LA ordinance Minimum wage, oh, so I'm supposed to add extra money or be charged extra money on this receipt without knowing about it ahead of time to help the restaurant pay for the minimum wage at their people. What? Who thought this up? Now, I've got several problems with this. First of all, I think a charge like this has a tendency to reduce tips that would normally go to the staff anyway. Someone sees this at the end and they go, "Oh, two and a half percent, so now I'm going to take that off of the you know, the 10 or the 12 or the 15 or 18 percent that I might add on to the bill." So I think this comes out of the pocket of the, the folks anyway. Second, the 2.5 percent that's added on is not related to anything of an .LA. ordinance. Yet the name implies that. And I think that that is wrong. I love to see people get paid, but I like to see people have that included in the price of of food. Um, Third, I think it makes it hard to compare various restaurants. If you're going to go to one place on this side of the street and they don't charge this L.A. ordinance fee and the other side of the street does, well, now it's hard to say. How much does one place, place cost in relationship to the other? Two eggs across the street cost this much compared to how much across the street? It's hard to compare. So I don't like it for that. Reason I, I don't like it because it's not disclosed on the menu and it should be disclosed on the menu. Maybe there ought to be a law, but you don't go into a restaurant looking around even saying, hey, let's look on the menu and see what the extra add-on fees are. This add-on fee thing is getting really out of control. I don't think it's a matter of add-on fees. I think it's a matter of fraud just fraud. People want to see what they can get away with. Now, interestingly enough, on top of that, this same receipt suggested various amounts for tips, and the tip range that they that they suggest is, you know, 18 to 22 percent. 22 percent. Now, many times I'll give somebody a tip, maybe even more than that from time to time, but to suggest a range of 18 to 22, I remember when tips were I remember when tip went up to 15%, the suggested tip. And I know a lot of people that figure, well, 10% add half again, throw some money on top of that. If the service was good, I get that. I want people to get paid that. But to suggest that I'm going to pay them 18 to 22% on top of a two and a half percent LA ordinance fee, Boy, that takes a lot, a lot of guts. Now, the food was good, but the food was expensive. And by the time you add on all the other stuff, it's even more expensive. So my thought is, hell no. Hell no. Now, I won't give out the name of the restaurant. I don't think that's cool, even though I'm kind of down on this place, even though the food's good. Um, But for those of you in L.A., if you send me an email, I'll tell you what restaurant it is. Here's another example. Drives me crazy. Resort fees. Know what I'm talking about? Resort fees. Now, a friend of mine was uh, getting ready to stay in Vegas, and he said that he got a, a really good deal on a on a hotel room at one of the big places on the Strip. And he said he paid $79 per night. And I'm going, wow, that's a really good price. But then he says, plus a $45 resort fee. Well, the resort fee was more than 50% of the, the cost of the room. Now, What is the resort fee about? What's that about? I've seen this for several years now. Well, they say it's for use of the grounds, and it's for the use of the pool. Some places will say, hey, it's for the use of, like, the health club. I would expect that stuff to be included. And what if you don't want to use that stuff? What if you just want to show up and sleep? Well, you still got to pay the resort fee. So why not just include it all together so that we can shop apples to apples And oranges to oranges. Just quote us a flat fee so we can comparison shop. None of this come on stuff. None of this loose lipped, barely truthful stuff. Here's some. Places in Vegas that do this. The Aria, Vendara, Bellagio, like the Bellagio, by the way, but Wynn, Palazzo, Venetian, they all charge a $45 resort fee, according to last month's Las Vegas Review Journal. No, I don't subscribe to the Las Vegas Review Journal. No, I don't read it every single month or even every single week. But You know, sometimes these things come across the Internet and they get you from one article and you click to another, to another, to another. So um, this was stuff. This was actually an article written in the Las Vegas Review Journal. Now, some interesting things have happened here. One, the District of Columbia Attorney has filed a lawsuit against Marriott for this. That's kind of interesting. The Nebraska attorney general has filed a lawsuit against the Hilton for this kind of stuff. So maybe the people that are supposed to be protecting us, maybe, are starting to check into this. In fact, the article in the Las Vegas Review-Journal says that attorney generals for all 50 states have opened an investigation into this practice. Well, I'm glad to see that. I don't want to see anybody criminally prosecuted per se, but you know what? Someone's got to say enough is enough is enough. Here's another example. Hertz rent-a-car. This happened to me just recently. We uh, got a Hertz rent-a-car, and the advertised price was $40 a night. We wanted four nights, so four times 40 should be about $160, plus a little bit of tax, and that's what you expect the bill. Now, you're... You, you've signed up to pay that rate, your airplane lands, you, you go to the, the counter, and we, we get a bill for almost $300. Well, it's supposed to be 160 bucks plus tax, and it's almost $300 including tax. Now, for what? For what? And I said, well, hold on just a minute. I don't want to appear like a cheap guy. But this is supposed to be about 160 bucks. I'm figuring maybe 180, maybe someone somewhere sitting around too. And it's almost 300 bucks. What are all these additional add-on fees? Well, the person says, you know, uh, there's a fee that the airport charges uh, for having a booth in the airport. And, you know, you can't you can't avoid that, and and um, you know we have to pay that. So you know we pass that along. And I thought, what about What about just making that part of the price that you charge your customers for the car? Make it a cost of doing business. You'll have to increase your price. But at least I know that Hertz will be selling me the same kind of thing that Avis or Dollar or Enterprise or any of the other places up and down that row of car rental places are going to charge me. And at that point, we really didn't have the choice. You know, a lot of the cars are committed. There's big lines at all these places. You get to the front and you go, just give me a car. I just got off the airplane. And if they start sticking you with add-on fees, chances are you're going to go, all right, all right, all right. It's just not very truthful. In fact, I probably wouldn't use these guys again. It ain't right. And then on top of that, they said, well, do you want to have an extra driver drive the car? And we said, well, yeah, (laughs) And get this. They said, well, that'll be $13 more a day. The gall of these people, who does that? It's not truthful. Now, I recently saw an article in the L.A. Times by a um, a guy, it's a column actually, um, David Lazarus writes a column, and I was kind of feeling out of the loop, like I was standing outside in the cold yelling, feeling kind of cranky and and cold, talking about these add-on fees, and then he does a column in the L.A. Times a couple weeks ago. And I was really happy to hear that somebody else was thinking about this the same way that I do. And there was somebody that was feeling my pain. And he said that he went to Amoeba Music in Hollywood and they charged him 35 cents for wages and benefits. So now they're trying to add on 35 cents to pay for wages and benefits. And I guess it's a one-time charge per checkout. And 35 cents is Nothing. I don't think you can hardly get a Coca-Cola anymore for 35 cents or a candy bar or whatever, whatever. But they're charging him because they know that most people will just go, okay, 35 cents, whatever. That's not honest. In academia, apparently this is called partitioned pricing or drip pricing. I call it fraud. It's not right. It's not honest. Show us what the total cost is going to be for a unit that you want to buy. That's something you want to put in your pocket and walk out with or some service that you want to enjoy. And let us compare apples to apples and oranges to oranges. The article says that even many times, in fact, most times people don't even notice the little add-on thing, especially like $0.35, that it doesn't matter. It's not that big of a deal. Well, I notice, and this columnist in the Times notices, and it's not truthful. It's fraud. Now, what's the answer? What's the answer to this? Well, is the answer new laws? I'm not sure that new laws or more laws are always the answer. You know, I remember some time ago I read an article that was uh, passing judgment on the California legislature and saying, well, this wasn't a very good session. This wasn't a very good um, session of the legislature because the number of laws that were passed was sharply less. And I'm not sure that that's the determining factor in terms of whether you have you know, a good legislative session or not. I don't think it's the number of laws. I think it's the quality of the laws. And, uh, and, you know, if we have more laws, is that success? I don't, I just don't, I don't think so. So I'm not sure that the answer is more laws. You know, we have a local representative of Congress, and uh, when he comes out to attend an event, uh, fundraising or otherwise, he stands up in front of the group, and one of his great lines is, well, you're lucky I'm here tonight. And everyone goes, what? And he says, yeah, because if I'm not here, I'm in Washington passing laws and everybody cracks up. Everyone goes, yeah, wow, you're here. You're, you're not passing laws. You're off our back. That's cool. I'm not sure that the answer is laws. although well, maybe that's that's part of it. Um, maybe these these uh, resort fees should be uh, uh, you know clearly stated. Certainly a lot of this other stuff should be more clearly stated. But is the answer laws? I don't know. The European Union says that consumers have the right to be clearly informed about the total price, including all taxes and additional charges. Yeah, I think I think that's about right. I don't know that that's necessarily a law, but that's a a certainly a nice statement. It's more than a good start. But maybe the better answer is that people like you and me need to wake up to this kind of junk and stop using restaurants and stop using people who provide services that add these kind of add on fees. Maybe we need to take a stand and then maybe we need to tell them politely, politely, that the reason we won't come back, the reason that we won't do business is because we think that the add-on fee is less than forthcoming. Maybe we have to choose not to do business with these companies that do this. Maybe we need to let them know at the pocketbook level that we don't think that this is completely honest. Now, again, we need to be diligent. We need to be Polite. We need to be firm. We don't want to be confrontational. Uh, when I bring it up, I've, I, um, and I have from time to time, I feel kind of cheap about it, but it's the principle, not the money. We've got to be diligent about it because otherwise, this is going to continue to go on and on and on to a point of almost uh, absurdity. So, there you have it. That's my rant today. Uh, thank you, Brian, for not uh, coming in today because I, I really needed to get this off my chest and I really wanted to talk uh, straight up the, the whole time about this. So that's my rant. That's my rant. What do you think? This is Dave Hagan and you're listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast.
1: Dave will randomly draw from the submitted questions and pick the winner of a free one-hour personal conversation with Dave to help you achieve your financial goals. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications. Let's listen in now as Dave answers some emails.
0: All right, I've got an email here that's near and dear to my heart, so I'm going to read it uh, just myself. It says, Hey Dave, I know you're a big fan of electric cars and think you uh, actually drive one, uh, but what really interests me is the potential cost savings. Can you give me some information on this? Don't you end up paying in electricity what you actually save in gas? Thanks, Steve. Well, Steve, here's what I think. No, no, it's, it's cheaper to power a car with... Uh, electricity than it is in gas. Let me give you some examples. I was spending 100 to $200 uh, on gasoline when I was driving a larger car maybe 10 years ago. Sometimes it got up to $300 a month just driving around town, not commuting really, just driving around town. Now with an electric car um, and in, a, in an environment where we pay about 14, 15 um, cents a kilowatt hour, uh, you know, 25 I love that kind of savings. Forget everything else. I love the savings. Now you go to the Tesla site, for example, and they'll show you the cost savings and how that would, you know, offsets the cost of the monthly payment on the car. Well, I got a couple problems with that. First of all, don't be, don't be buying a car based upon monthly payments. Second of all, the monthly payments on a car, the cost of a Tesla is just too high. Um, so and three, those savings, in my mind, at least belong to me. They shouldn't offset the cost of a car. Those savings belong to me. So I'm spending a little more on electricity. Uh, I'm saving a ton in gas. And of course, the environment's better, it's a better drive, da 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 da. But no. Uh, the cost of the electricity is quite a bit less, Steve, and I I think that people would be surprised. Now, you know, there's another savings. You didn't specifically ask about this, but I I just wanted to touch on it, and that is maintenance, saving on maintenance. You know, I had a a Volt, and uh, we drove it an awful lot. In fact, that Volt's got about uh, 115,000 miles on it. We've had it maybe six or seven years. And, wow, what do you think our... Total. We added this up the other day. What do you think our, our total maintenance cost for that period of time was, including tires? Think about what you spend on maintaining your car, oil, and you know all the other things. We spent six to seven years, hundred and fifteen thousand dollars, including a new set of tires, about twenty eight hundred dollars. Now I don't know about you, but to me that is amazing. And the Volt was a pretty decent car, even now that's got one hundred fifty thousand miles on it. It's it's still in pretty good shape. Now they, they don't make that Volt anymore. Ouch. And by the way, that's a Chevy. I never thought I would be talking about a Chevy ever again, but they don't make that car anymore. But that was one heck of a Chevy. So if you just look at the electric savings and just look at the maintenance savings, you're going to come out way ahead, but don't let someone talk you into saying, well, that's why you should pay more. Um, for a car necessarily. There's a lot of volts out there that have a few miles on them that are a really good deal for that matter. Um, You know, you can buy a Tesla from one of the first couple of years and pay a real decent price. Drive around in a nice, quiet, environmental, uh, economical, at that point, car. And of course, at the end of the day, it's just more fun to drive. So Steve, Hey, I hope that gives you a few things to think about. Hopefully you're looking at converting over to uh, an electric vehicle. I think that in five years, maybe the majority of the vehicles sold, uh, or maybe not sold, but at least offered um, by the various manufacturers are probably going to be electrical. Uh, Most of the manufacturers are coming out uh, in 2020, which is next year with, you know, a whole handful of electrical products and, um, you know, the gasoline car isn't going to go away by any stretch of the imagination. But I think that mix is going to start to ramp up as people start to understand how much cheaper it is to uh, operate these cars as the uh, infrastructure for charging starts to come up, people start to understand how to maintain and, and charge these cars. And people really get their head around over, uh, around how much cheaper it is to, uh, uh, to operate these vehicles. So hopefully that gives you some stuff to think about, Steve. Thanks for the question. Well, that's about all the time that we have here today. We're working on some really interesting stuff uh, in the weeks that are coming up. So stay tuned. Um, I got to tell you, i give you a little preview. You know, we talked about credit cards, black card, the Costco card. Um, I, I couldn't help it. You know, I signed up for the Apple card. We've talked about that. And it uh, set up on my iPhone and um, I've got an account, but um, I got this. I got this package in the mail and I'm pretty sure that my new iPhone card is in there. So uh, we're going to open it up uh, in one of the weeks here down the line. So stay tuned and you'll get our, our first responses, our first impressions to that. So um, hang on there. And then uh, we've got some other things that are coming up, coming down the line. I've got a, um, a collection attorney coming in to uh, talk to us. And um, I think you'd be surprised at uh, how interesting and lively this particular fellow is. And we'll get some insights into the collection industry and how to deal with uh, collectors and, and collection attorneys. So that's a wrap. This is Dave Hagan. And you've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast.